Welcome to Distributing Solar. We speak with experts and entrepreneurs working in the off-grid solar industry around the world, bringing to life how distributed solar is changing lives in emerging markets. In this conversation, we speak with Naomi Kyoi, Head of Marketing at Greenlight Planet, one of the largest solar companies in Africa. Greenlight Planet is a social mission for-profit company which has sold over 1.3 million of the Sun King products since starting in 2009 and are working in Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda and Nigeria. In this conversation, we speak about the role of telecoms companies in off-grid solar and how mobile and telecommunication companies are playing an important role in helping off-grid energy companies reach last-mile customers in hard-to-reach communities. We also discuss her role as head of marketing and the successes and challenges in trying to communicate the benefits of solar energy to their customers. Naomi, welcome to Distributing Solar. You are head of marketing at Greenlight Planet, which is one of the largest solar companies in Africa and Asia and well known by many in the sector. Can you start by telling us about Greenlight Planet and what is your focus as a company? So thank you very much. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Naomi Kyoi and I'm a general manager for global marketing at Greenlight Planet. At Greenlight Planet, we manufacture, distribute and offer consumer financing for Sun King products, which cover a whole range from lanterns to radios to televisions and our mission is to support the SDG 7, which is to enable energy access across the world. Because um, currently we have about 800 million people without energy access. And in Africa, that's about 600 million people, which comes to roughly 44% of Africa. Great. Thank you for that introduction. And to drill down maybe a bit, are you focused on the manufacturing or the distribution or do you do a bit of both? So as a company, we are vertically integrated. So we manufacture solar home systems, TVs, radios, solar lanterns, usually for domestic use as well as for business use. We also offer consumer financing through our Easy Buy channel. So this is whereby consumers are able to access our products and pay for them with installments over time. We are also a distribution company. So we also have a large distribution networks of about 10,000 agents across um, the globe who go door to door selling our units and our, and our solar home systems because you realize the people who we are selling to are mostly rural and in very remote areas. So there needs to be a way for them to actually access our units. So we are also a distributing company, which we do directly. In other cases as well, we also work with other partners who have distribution networks across um, Africa and Asia and other markets that we are present in. And they enable us to have that last mile access to consumers who are, who are far to reach and very remote. And is Sun King the brand of Greenlight Planet, the consumer facing brand? Is it all one company or how does that work? Yes. So Greenland Planet is the corporate brand, but then Sun King is a consumer brand that is seen in the market by consumers. So all our products are labeled Sun King, and that is a brand that we go with in the market. Perfect. And we wanted to focus this conversation on the growing influence of telecoms companies in off-grid solar. But before we get there, it would be great if we could set the scene for the telecoms and the energy sector and how they have interacted in the past. All right. So over the years, you'll notice that the role of telecoms has evolved and gotten more strategic with various forms of collaboration and partnerships. 
Traditionally, this collaboration was limited to mobile money, where a customer buys a Sun King Easy Buy solar system and pays for it with mobile money. But then over time, we saw this also shifting and expanding. So whereby you will realize that telecommunications have the largest distribution networks, mainly across Africa, and their distribution reaches hard to reach areas which are mainly rural and places where we have a large base of consumers and people who don't have energy access. So this enables telcos as well as off-grid sector companies to be able to tap into this distribution network and provide energy access to people who actually need these energy systems. And then the third evolution that we are seeing coming up and is starting to play a larger role is where there's leveraging of data and consumer analytics. So you realize that telecoms are sitting on large mountains of data, which enables them to predict payment behavior and enable offerings of microloans and products to consumers. So this enables us to tailor make and target financing options to their different consumers and customer base. So by leveraging data and consumer analytics, we're able to predict customer repayment and other behavior around payment. So I would say those, those are the three ways that I've seen. Great. That's a lot to dig into there. So if I can just outline the three areas that I heard from what you mentioned on the first level, it was the relationship between the customer and solar company and the involvement in with telcoms in that instance was primarily using mobile money for the customer to pay for their solar services. And then the next level was that you as Greenlight Planet could partner with, say, a telco provider to tap into their customer network and to gain access to their customers. And then the third evolution, as you've mentioned, was the use of data to provide financing options and to better understand the, the customer segment. Is that, broadly speaking, the three categories that, that you mentioned? Yes, but maybe just also just to correct one a bit. The second one was um, leveraging on their large distribution networks because you realize our consumers are in remote, far to reach areas, which are mainly rural. So working with them enables us to tap into the distribution networks to do last mile distribution. These oh, consumers, right. yes. So it's very much about using their on the ground sales exactly. team, perhaps, or their their retail. So they have different retail networks. They have different channel partners. They have foot soldiers as well. So it's also leveraging because they have one of the largest distribution networks across markets that they're operating. Because they, they are usually everywhere. Like if you look at Africa, if you go to the most remote area, somebody is using a phone. And even if you look at the penetration, about ninety six percent of households, let's say in Kenya, own a mobile money account. So that tells you the penetration of their distribution networks. So that's a key area that I was also highlighting. Great. So if we start on that level, how would that relationship typically work? It would be Greenlight Planet has a partnership, for example, with I've heard about a partnership with Orange that was started in 2019. If you could tell us a bit more about how that partnership interacts between Greenlight Planet and, and a telecoms company. So number one, like if I could just talk about the the basic one, like I'd said, um, Greenlight works with almost every ma every single major telecom company, let's say like in Africa, to be able to offer payment. Because if there's mobile money, that's how we are able to have ease and convenient payment for consumers. So that's one level. Then the other layer is when we have partnerships, how it works, we work with the telco and we have access to their networks. So where we are able to sell our Sun King solar lamps, Sun King TVs and home systems. So they purchase from us 
and then they sell directly through their networks. They use their agents, they use their retail shops and as well as a different channel partners and they make our products available to the consumers. Then another one that also is prevalent is we have access to their customer base and their subscribers. So what happens is we create like an application and, and a wallet. In this application or wallet, consumers are able to see what products of Sun King are available. So they go, they pick whatever it is they want to purchase. And then once they, they pick what they want to purchase, they're able to pay for it using mobile money. And then we do the deployment. So we get an alert that X customer wants to buy a Sun King TV. And then they do their deposit. And then it's all integrated. So we get to see um, the interaction in this platform. And then our agents who are in the ground are able to go and install and deliver these um, SunKing systems to the, their customer base. Then the third level as well is they give us access to their retail stores and different channel partners. So what happens is we're able to go set up and market and sell our home systems in their different retail stores across the country, which is what we know so we've, we've been able to do. Great. So you have the telecoms company acting in, in one instance as a customer. So they're buying the units directly from you and then reselling that onto their customers. And then on the other hand, they also work as a, a channel provider, really. So they will sell your products to their customers and they are selling on the products or making it available to their customers too. Yes, yes, yes. So maybe just to recap, um, number one is they purchase Sun King systems from us, and then they sell directly to their customer base through their agents or their retail stores and every other network that they have on ground. Number two, we have access to their customer base. So we create a platform where we are able to market our products to their customer base. And if somebody is interested, they can either use a USSD or these different mechanisms where they pay for the product and they make a deposit. We get alerted. Then our teams go and deploy the systems to this customer. The third one is where they open up um, their retail stores, where we, we go in and we sell as part of their teams and we integrate and we're able to sell and uh, market our products in their different retail outlets and some of their channels. Thank you for the clarification. That's great. And so I'm, I'm curious how the relationship is evolving. I think you mentioned the third evolution and the use of data and analytics to provide broader financing options. I think this is something that a lot of people within the off-grid solar sector have talked about for a while. And that transition from providing a solar home system to a customer. And once you have that relationship, you can track what the repayment rates have been like, how quote unquote credit worthy a customer might be. And then from there, be able to determine, you know, whether they might be either interested in other consumer products like a fan or you know, fridge or whatever products it might be. And then also kind of gauge what type of repayment mechanism or interest rate they, they might be expected to pay. And so it becomes very much a, a mode of financing as well. Yes, so telecoms are sitting on large mountains of data and this enables them to actually be able to predict customer payment behavior. They're also able to tailor make solutions to their customer because they're able to tell their payment patterns and how consumers actually interact over time. So data analytics, I would say, is one of the key backbones 
to be able to predict what your consumer will do and and forecast for your future and for your business and your business model. So I would say that's a key it factor that actually is a strength that enables telcos as well as um companies in off-grid energy sector and this also is very common and it's not really because you use mobile payments you're able to to have a, a track or a footprint of how consumers are behaving how they're making their payments how you're getting your collections over what period of time are, are there some down seasons and once you have all that information you're able to create a solution and target it specifically to your customer demographic and make it an offering that is attractive and that is that is something that is beneficial to customers and i'm curious what you think the ultimate motivation is for a lot of telecoms companies working in the energy space and the finance space do you see their motivation as a, a way to just increase additional revenue streams but it's a mechanism by which they can just access more customers and maybe have a deeper relationship with customers or do you think ultimately they're looking to move into either the energy sector um or the finance sector is it a way for them to diversify their business beyond telecoms or are they looking at ways that they can maybe interact with the customer in a different way So what I would say here is so telecommunications their core offering is normally voice and data. So that's their core offering. So for me I think it's a way to to diversify because you, when you look at it like this when they diversify they're able to increase um the average revenue per user. So like I mentioned earlier according to Geopol this is like in Kenya there's a the statistic is that 96% of households own a mobile money account and actually mobile phone penetration um if you look at Kenya for example about 66.6 million people are registered in mobile money accounts which is even more than the population so it shows you the level of penetration but then um i think with diversification here they are able to get more revenue from that consumer so aside from this from voice and data you're able to create more products and to create more offering that is central to the consumer and thereby you're actually tapping into essential services because energy is an essential service so you're able to tap into that and add more value to your customer this also will create customer retention because they would have bought that energy from somebody else so if they buy through you this customer retention there's also new customer growth and you're kind of growing with your customer and just offering more benefits and more offerings apart from the traditional sense that is common to most telecommunications are they therefore taking on the financial risk as well for example providing some of these upfront loans or uh, are they actually partnering with financing providers so that their position within the value chain is that of a intermediary if you will but ultimately it's someone another financing partner that's actually taking on the the risk of the financial loans So it happens in different ways. The first basic one there's no risk because they're just it's transactional where mobile money is the tool of payment mm-hmm. and they make money from it. The number two like I'd mentioned they will purchase products from a manufacturer and sell directly. But so there's a financial risk in this aspect but then if you realize they're using mobile money so you you pay for your product over a period of time. And I also mentioned that they actually have 
customer data to be able to predict repayment and be able to offer targeted pricing plans to their consumers according mm-hmm. to the trends they have seen over the years. So they take the financial risk, but also they do not offer the product fully in the beginning. So they're able to also cover themselves. And don't also forget, there's also some level of KYC, know your customer, because Africa has largely unbanked consumers. But then you realize, like, if I talk about M-Pesa in Kenya, M-Pesa is the largest uh, microfinance offering. So they're able to predict payments, they're able to predict this customer, how do they repay, how much money have they had in their wallet over the X amount of time? Are they liquid? How liquid are they? So you're able to to be able to know who to offer which product to and because they have this information and they have this data, so kind of, kind of having a, a credit score for your customers. Then right. the other one is because some of them, they work in partnership with the manufacturer. So you find that you'll have access to their subscribers. So in that sense, they offer you a platform. You build the platform together, but you're the one who's marketing and you're the one who's deploying and selling the product to the end consumer. So there's many ways that they can actually plug in depending on the risk appetite (laughs) that they have. Yeah, Yeah. that's very interesting. And I'm curious within the sector, do either you as an energy or a solar company feel there is a a potential threat with regards to a a telecoms company coming into the energy sector? Or is it actually just a great opportunity because they can help you improve your sales channel? So I, I do not see, there's no risk over here because they are a distributor. For you to distribute, you need to have access to the product. So for you to move completely to another competency is 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 is, is not that easy. So what mm. I would say is the consumer that they are serving, who is far to reach and very remote, has a problem. The problem is energy access. And people in Africa who don't have energy access, but they have mobile money. This mobile money, they will use it to purchase a Sun King solar home system from another distributor. So why not be the one who's actually offering this solar solar system to your customer base and have more customer retention and loyalty and even trust? So I don't see it as competition. I see it as an add-on where they're able to cross-sell and sell something that is vital to human life, like energy, and be able to create more revenue. Because if you think about it, most of these companies have been here for a long time. And when you mature, you find that your revenues will stagnate unless you diversify. You need to diversify to keep being relevant and to keep adding more value to your consumer. So I would just say it's just, it's business. You need to find ways to create alliances that actually add more value. And these alliances, in my opinion, are very strategic. And... um this level of diversification, I don't think is it's not it's not going to end now. It's going to continue. So what they're just doing is looking at okay, this is my consumer. They need more than mobile money access. They need other elements in their lives. Can I offer those elements to these people? And one of them is energy access. And then when they offer that, they're also profiting from it by creating more revenue for themselves from each consumer who otherwise would just be purchasing data and voice. That certainly makes sense. And I guess I'm, I'm curious how you, it seems as though then other 
telecoms companies would be competing for that same capability. Is that what you're seeing too? Is that um, you have companies like, I don't know, perhaps Orange, who are looking to try and get that that opportunity too within the market? So, so these, so yeah, there's competition between telcos, but then there's 600 million people who don't have energy access in Africa. So even if they compete, there's so much more. There's mm. a lot of, there's a lot of market. So these, we even welcome the competition. Right. There's, there's a lot of market and a lot of people who need energy access. So I think it's fine. Um, Right. There's plenty of potential for the market. There's plenty yeah. of potential in the market. There's, pl- there's 600 million people in Africa who don't have energy access. So the more telcos that get into this space and that actually have energy as a focus, to be honest, is going to drive the, to drive the mission of energy access. Absolutely. And if you look at the broader landscape of mobile money in Africa, I think certainly what we've heard so far is that mobile money is really widely accessible in East Africa, but not quite so widely used in West Africa yet. And I was wondering if you could speak a bit about the the differences in mobile money penetration across the continent and what are the challenges to increase penetration of both mobile money and off-grid solar solutions? Okay, so like, let me use West Africa, for example. So West Africa, you find that mobile money, so with Nigeria as an example, mobile money is not as prevalent or, or is not deeply penetrated as in East Africa or in other African markets in the traditional sense. However, we leverage a lot of other options which are used in the market to be able to drive energy access. And one of them, there's a high adoption of digital payments by banks. An example is fast bank applications. Even GT Bank has applications which are widely used by customers to make payment. So what we do, we leverage a combination of these digital payment platforms promoted by banks, as well as cash collections in order to solve the problem of lack of traditional mobile money platforms that are widespread in Africa. So that's actually how we are able to to still offer energy to consumers in Nigeria. Right. So as you wait for the the penetration of mobile money to expand, you're using cash collections or other mechanisms as as an alternative instead. Yes. Yes. And do you see that changing already that the the penetration of mobile money is already increasing over the past 1 to 2 years? Yes, um different players at are expanding their mobile money offering and penetration in different markets that don't have it because of of the success of mobile money in other African markets. So I'm seeing a lot of shifts and changes in the penetration of mobile money, say like in Nigeria. So, yeah. Great. Maybe if we expand the conversation to not specifically telecoms, but Greenlight Planet and their broader activities. Greenlight Planet raised over $90 million from CDC Group, FMO, Norfund, Arch, Emerging Market Partners last year. And curious to hear from the business perspective, what are your growth plans now with the new funding and what are the new opportunity areas that you're looking at? So the funds will be used to promote energy access in two main ways. Number one is regular geographic expansion. So you will realize that we have a lot of people who don't have energy access across the globe. Currently, it's about 800 million people. So we want to continue expanding and ensure that we are present 
in all these regions that people need energy access to be able to serve the end customer as fast and as best as we can. The number two is focusing on innovation. We actually want to continue manufacturing and innovate our products to create more reliable and um, larger systems which can be used for different sources, whether it's in houses or for industrial use, small businesses. So we want to build larger products that can be used by the off-grid consumer. Within the off-grid market, there's a real focus on base of the pyramid or very remote customer bases. And then there are certainly focus on maybe the more urban or peri-urban markets looking to provide solutions for greater grid reliability or um, customers that may have access to the grid, but because it's not reliable, they also have a diesel generator as well. Where does Greenlight Planet play within each of those different customer segments? Are you focused across the board from really hard to reach, last mile, low income households all the way to larger commercial customers or are you focused on any particular segment? So we focus a lot on the bottom of the pyramid as our consumer. And like I mentioned, we are also planning to innovate and create more advanced productive use products, which can be used by businesses, small businesses, not to only offer solutions for domestic use and small business use, but to also move our customers up the energy ladder and provide solutions for energy access for consumers in the off-grid who are not only in the bottom of the pyramid. An example is like solar inverters in Nigeria. Great. What are the kinds of solutions that you're looking at? I know there are companies that are working, for instance, on solar fridges and solar water pumps. Is that something that you're also looking to create or would you partner with them to provide the solar system and, and maybe the inverter system as well if needed and, and how you're thinking about those productive use applications? Yes. So we actually endeavor to create more value for people who live off the grid. So we want to power their lives in different ways. So you're, you're right. So we, we have plans with like solar inverters in Nigeria because there's a lot of power cuts in Nigeria and solar inverters are used by almost even the middle class. Then even fridges, fridges are very important and, and like a basic need in most homes to be able to keep your produce and your food in good condition. So there's many other products that we have in the pipeline that we want to offer to our consumers to ensure that we not only power their lives at home, but also their lives in their different businesses and be able to just create value for our consumers, A, the ones who currently have lighting and maybe who also want to move up the energy ladder by accessing a fridge, by accessing an inverter and different other offerings which would add more value to their life. And how has COVID-19 impacted customers and the business at Greenlight Planet? Have you had to change either the pay-go buying process or has repayment rates or the ability to repay changed at all within your customer base? So I'd say that energy is an essential service. So I've seen two different shifts with COVID-19. Number one, most countries have actually moved to paperless payment. So if I look at some of the countries in Africa with COVID-19, exchange of money was not being encouraged. So 
mobile money payments were really being encouraged across different sectors as well as across different businesses. So I'd say that I saw a shift where mobile money was being promoted as a way of making payment for people's safety with COVID-19. And then with COVID-19 happening, you notice that most people were actually buying for their essentials in in advance because you don't know with the lock with the lockdowns with the closures you, you don't know what's going to happen there's a lot of uncertainty so mobile money the presence of mobile money actually enabled people to feel a bit safer and be able to make purchases for their energy um, which they need for their day to day and just bring that comfort to their homes that they can able to have energy even during that um uncertain time of covid-19 Another trend that we saw is people buying Sun King solar TVs and radios because people were interested in news and being informed. So you notice that education and knowledge was being imparted through radio and TVs um because it was like you need, you need to have like a central point of information about covid um because it was very uncertain and we know and we didn't know what was going on. Then another thing that also we noticed is education schools were closed. So so there's a lot of educational programs on radios and TVs and this actually was a source of children to learn and it became very popular to be able to entertain kids and ensure that they actually have a form of learning even while they're at home. So most stations were bring a lot of educational and knowledge to actually keep children engaged and to make sure that they don't lose out because of being out of school. So I'd say those two trends that I saw is people shifting to paperless payment which is mobile money and that a big trend in solar TVs and radios due to education and and being informed um about the news that are happening with covid. Were there any implications? I think you heard a lot of worrying stories about the ability for some households and families to continue to have income to to earn money and the impacts of that on repayment rates. I think we spoke to to Trine, one of the debt financing providers early in the pandemic and they said they hadn't seen any impact at all on um repayment rates or anything like that but curious as you know we moved a year a year and a half later into the pandemic whether you've seen any challenges from the cons- customers on that side no there've been no challenges because like i said earlier energy is an essential service so actually what we saw was bulk purchases so people would purchase if ordinarily you're purchasing let's say like a week of light two weeks of light you purchase like a month two months um which was actually rampant across the world people mm-hmm. were buying and were paying for essential services because right. the world was unpredictable so we did not see any changes in repayment rates and or or anything like that great perfect yeah. and as we move towards the end of our discussion would be great to hear more about you and your personal interest in both the off-grid solar sector but also how you came to join greenlight planet So I have a passion for people and for impact. So I've worked in manufacturing, banking and 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 my move to social impact was just that internal drive to actually make a difference and be able to help people who need some basics like energy. So I just wanted to make a difference in the emerging markets because of my passion for people and just not having not working in a company that makes profit but also profit with impact <laughs> that was something that i think for me was really really important and 
I feel I found it also in green light because you, you find that in emerging markets, there's a lot of challenges. And I really believe that each and every one of us needs to play a part in ensuring that there's infrastructure to be able to better the lives of people. So like in Green Light Planet, we offer energy and um, we manufacture and provide energy products or solar solutions, which with consumer financing to make them affordable, but also there's jobs created where we have 10,000 agents going door to door and selling energy products. There's also a lot of education because there's teachings on how to sell. There's on, on the value of energy. There's so much that is done that to be honest, for me was very important to me to make a difference in the emerging markets because this is where I'm from. And I just want to ensure that however small I'm able to, to sleep well at night, knowing that I have been able to to help in any way that I can, because the government is doing their part, but I really believe that the private sector mm-hmm. also needs to be able to, to step in and be able to help where they can with different infrastructure and different um, needs for people who, are, who don't have access to a lot of necessities to human life. Great. And you've been at Greenlight Planet for six and a half years now, right? Is that right? Yes, I'm going on to seven in November. Wow, <laughs> great, amazing. Um, yes. And I guess I'm curious in your both your current role and your previous roles, I think you're head of marketing, as we mentioned at the moment. What are your main priorities and, and what are the challenges that you face in your day-to-day job? So over the years, uh, it's been interesting because one of my main priorities actually is consumer awareness and understanding of the category. So you notice that Solar was not something that was known maybe 10 years ago. So for me, consumer awareness and understanding of the value that solar energy can bring to to consumers. So having that consumer insight to be able to communicate clearly that solar energy enables children to study longer and children to actually be able to do their homework in the evening, for women to be safe and get home safely, for businesses to stay longer and be able to operate longer so that they can make a bit more income for their livelihood. You find that also solar energy promotes health because the homes, when they use solar, they keep off kerosene and other energy sources or light sources that are actually not good for their health. So for me, my main priority is just to be able to communicate clearly the value that clean energy sources like solar energy and home systems actually have in the lives of consumers and the life of people. The other one is brand recognition and product availability for people to understand where our products are available, where you can find a solar home system or a solar product and how it is of value to your life. Those are, I would say, my priorities. My challenges is just like in most markets, you find that you, you are the first player. So how do you convince somebody to see the value of clean energy in their right. home? So that is one of the biggest challenges that I've actually faced over the years because it is not a known category. It is growing in traction, but it is still not known everywhere. And how do you ensure that people actually understand the value that it brings into their lives, into their families, into their children's lives. 
that for me is one of my challenges and what keeps me up at night. Um, right. Yeah. And, and how do you do that? <laughs> I guess what are some of the, maybe the tactics or strategies that you've employed to, as you say, improve customer awareness and make the, the case for clean energy? It's through a lot of communication through the different touch points. So either whether it's going to be through radio, I do a lot of market disruption activities. I have agents who I train, we train them and we teach them on how to better um, communicate. We teach our consumers on savings that they're going to make because these products are on offering for like, you pay for it over nine months. So in nine months, you'll have a product that you never have to pay ever again. But kerosene, you keep buying kerosene every week or every two days. So we teach them on affordability, on savings, on their health, but it's constant communication, constant engagement, and a lot of interaction face-to-face with the consumer because you need they need to trust you. They need to touch and feel what you're doing. Another thing that we do is we have a lot of retail stores. Like in Africa, we have about 200 stores in different markets that we have a store in each area that we sell in to bring that trust. So if somebody has a problem, has a question, you just come to our retail store, we'll be able to service you, answer any of your questions, and then we do a lot of market roadshows, you name it. Like it's like a fanfare, <laughs> but it's just always constant engagement for them to have that trust and brand loyalty mm-hmm. and for them to know that you're here to stay. You're here, but you're here to stay and to and you care about me and you care about my life and my livelihood. Mm-hmm. Great. And I think you opened our conversation with an overview of how, at least in sub-Saharan Africa, something like 600 million people still don't have access to energy. What in your mind are the challenges or how could we accelerate access to energy for those people still without access to power? Is it through additional funding? Is it just that companies like Greenlight Planet have to grow faster and hire more people? What are the challenges that you see stopping us from reaching the remaining 600 million? How I look at it, I think it's going to be driven by a lot of collaboration. So like one of the ones we've talked about right now between off-grid solar companies, as well as telcos, as well as agricultural companies. So different, different sectors coming together and collaborating to be able to offer energy access products to off-grid consumers. That is what I think is going to drive energy access. A lot of collaboration. Because you realize the consumer of like microfinance also needs energy access. So you're selling to them microloans, but they also need energy access. Mm -hmm. A company that is selling agricultural inputs to consumers, these consumers also need energy access. So if there could be collaboration across the industry, I really believe that we'll be able to reach an energy access by 2030, as has been listed as one of the SDGs. Right. Yeah. Great. And so our final question to close our conversation today, what are your predictions for the energy access sector for the next five years? My predictions, I believe we will see more synergies within the sector. More industries will come together to be able to to accelerate energy access. Um, another thing that I'm seeing is we're seeing a lot of funding coming into the space and this funding will continue bringing more players into the sector to be able to drive energy access to consumers. 
And I'm also seeing a lot of, we'll actually also have a lot of products which are going to be created, solar solar products that are not only entry level, so not only lighting or education. We'll see a lot of productive use, like irrigation, inverters. We'll see a lot of products which are going to be created whereby even people who have the grid will actually also opt for products which are solar powered to be able to power their lives and add more value to their day-to-day. Perfect. Thank you for your time and thanks for joining us on Distributing Solar. Thank you so much, Eugene. It was really good um, having this conversation and delving deeper into this topic. That was our conversation with Naomi Kyoi from Greenlight Planet. If you have any questions or comments, please visit us on our website at www.distributingsolar.com. We have notes from our podcast, useful sources and contact details available. Join us next time when we will be speaking with the team at Green Empowerment, speaking about the intersection between energy and healthcare.